Hi listeners, welcome back to another episode of We Earn Media. This week, we're speaking with Makita Rivas. Makita is a freelance journalist and a creative consultant based in DC. She covers culture, style, and politics through the lens of gender, race, and ethnicity. She's a contributing editor at Cosmopolitan and a senior contributing fashion editor at Bustle. And her writing has been published in places like the New York Times, the Washington Post, Vogue, Harper's Bazaar, and InStyle, just to name a few. She's got style and she's got grace. And I've been watching too much Queer Eye. <laughs> and without further ado, oh welcome to the show, Makita. And joining Thank us you. is, of course, our co-host, Jacqueline. Um, welcome, Bo. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I jumped right into that. Oh my no, it's great. I love that intro. Cool. <laughs> um, well, let's see. Let's go ahead and jump into the story that you sent Jacqueline, Makita. Um, do you want to go ahead and give us a quick overview of what it's all about? Yeah. So this story uh, titled What Happens Next in the Fight for Voting Rights Meet the Women Working to Protect a Crucial Right. Uh, this published in Vogue back in October. And, um, you know, it really is kind of a, a high-level overview of the state of voting rights in this country, but it also delves into the specifics of what's actually happening on the ground through the lens of activism and specifically Black women activists. And um, format-wise, it kind of ended up reading almost like an explainer of sorts, you know, um, like there's like subheads and, you know, like the paragraphs are a little longer than, you know, your typical piece. And so it really is meant to be kind of like a deep dive into voting rights right now, you know, why they're precarious, um, while also digging into a little bit of like the history there and how we sort of got to where we are today. Yeah, I loved it. I thought your quotes were really good too and informative. Um, yeah, and the women that you highlighted, how did you um, get connected with those women? Well, I was fortunate to have connected with a really awesome publicist, um, Eliza Liebler, and she's at L Communications. And um, she initially reached out to me to um, potentially cover an event. So this story originated from an event pitch that she had sent me back in like July 2021. And um, she was working on behalf of For John, which is this um, nonprofit organization founded to honor um, the late John Lewis, um, but also that works to protect voting rights. Um, so there was this event happening and she'd reached out to me, um, because, um, MLK the third and his wife, Andrea King were going to be at this event. And, um, she was wondering if I'd be interested in interviewing them. So I, I immediately thought that this could potentially be a good fit for Vogue. I had worked with my editor, um, Chloe Shama there before on a previous, politics piece. And so I felt like, you know, having kind of this caliber of like a potential interview with MLK the third and his wife, Andrea, um, it just seemed kind of like 
sort of like that level that Vogue is at. Um, and so yeah, I was I was kind of shooting for the moon a little bit, but I'm like, well, you know what? I've worked with this editor before and I think she'll be pretty impressed by these names. So I pitched it to her and, you know, she said that she was interested, but that like a straight sort of, you know, event coverage piece wasn't really a fit. And um, she wanted to see if we could come up with something that was a little more, um, I think the word she used was Vogue ready. And so I went back to Eliza and asked her who else she could put me in touch with um, as far as activists on the ground um, who, you know, know the issue of voting rights very intimately and could really speak to where the situation is currently at. And so um, she was able then to connect me with the other folks that I spoke to for the piece. And um, in terms of like kind of how the approvals process went, like I think I, you know, I went to her saying Vogue is interested, but, you know, they, they really kind of want it to read more like a long form feature than like, oh, I went to this event and interviewed this person. So who can you connect me with to kind of fill out this story a little bit um, more fully? And so, so she came back with um, some, some really great names. And um, then I went back to my editor and she loved it and was like, okay, great, let's do it. And then, you know, went through that whole process of, of doing the interviews and and um, Eliza was super helpful along the way. I would have never guessed that this story came from a pitch that was about basically inviting you to attend an event. So that's really good to know. Yeah. It's, super, it's a fun story. I like this. Thank you. Just, you know, I, having a pivot last, like the publicist had to be flexible basically and mm -hmm. provide more resources for you. That's really cool. This is a good example. I'm wondering, do you get a lot of event pitches? Is that something that you typically kind of cover or write? I, I do get a lot of event pitches. Um, and it's not something that I cover or write a lot about, not necessarily because I'm not interested. Um, it's just that sort of the nature of the type of freelance work that I do just isn't conducive to event coverage, which is usually just so rapid fire like you know the turnarounds are really quick and it's very it's super timely like because it revolves around this event and so um i am definitely somebody who is thinking more long lead most of the time and um you know in some cases i'm weeks if not months out in my head in terms of like you know stories that I want to be working on and like very rarely am I gonna like take the time to carve out time out of my current schedule to like cover something last minute unless there's like a really compelling angle or like a really like a you know high level celebrity interview opportunity or something like that um but uh that's usually like how I operate with event coverage Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. I did notice, I think that you craft content on activities and fun things to do. So maybe 
maybe that's why you get a lot of event pitches. I'm just trying to think about why, but. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think it's like, you know, I get invited to some things in DC because I'm, I'm based in DC as well. Um, And, you know, fashion is one of my main beats and there's usually like a ton of fashion events in New York. Um, You know, so I get invited to a ton of things in New York. Um, But yeah, it's like I said, it's not necessarily because I don't want to. It's just that I don't know that it like necessarily like just works for me right now. Yeah, the type of I forget. I did see yesterday your yeah, Yeah. and I did see yesterday. Not to sound like a stalker, but I just (laughs) remembered that I saw you tweeted you got invited to Paris Fashion Week. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's so cool. It is, I'm yeah. Also, <laughs> I think they should pay you to go too. It's always one of those really like bittersweet things, like getting invited to, you know, like events abroad. And it's like, okay, but like I can't afford right. to just like hop on, you know, a like cross Atlantic yeah. flight. <laughs> Right. Um, and, you know, and pay for this trip out of pocket. Like, I wish that'd be amazing. But so, yeah, it's always like, I mean, it's definitely like a like first person problem. Like it's like first world problem. Like I <laughs> yeah. totally, you know, I don't want to complain too much, but it's always like, dang it. I wish I could go, but mm, not unless you send me. <laughs> That's like a because. I'm just thinking of when I was, I went to school for journalism and I remember, you know, this is a while ago, but talking about how you can't, you know, treat a journalist for to lunch or bribe them in any way, but that's different, yeah. right? That's like, you're inviting them to cover your event. The least you can do is pay for their room and board, allow them their to go. travel. <laughs> yeah. Allow them to go. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And I do think that like, in fashion and like lifestyle like there's definitely like more I guess room for error in that like especially because there's sort of like this influencer editor type that's sort of emerging and so like in my case I wouldn't necessarily even be covering Paris Fashion Week on behalf of a of a publication but like even just to go that would be like personal But if it's an event, like, I could have the option to cover it. So it's just sort of like it could go both ways. Um, But yeah, it's a very interesting, interesting world. Um, I don't want to change the subject, but I started Googling Eliza and I saw that she works for Out Communications, which you said, this is kind of a cool uh, PR firm. It seems like they they work with a lot of big brands, but they do a lot of work in the nonprofit space. Um, I was actually wondering, so I know she connected you with other um, activists. Um, Do you know if they also represented those activists or do you think that she went out and found people and like reached out to them? And then do you know if I'm just curious, like, I believe, you know, let me. It's okay if you don't know. No, I, I remember that we talked about it. Um, Okay. And okay, so this is what it was. They said that they could definitely connect me with um, Andrea King, who she originally pitched for the interview, um, as well as any of the partner, the partners of For John. So it ended up, mm -hmm, so it ended up being like, 
um, the New Georgia Project and Black Voters Matter, um, they were partner like organizations to Fort John. With Fort John. So, mm-hmm, cool. so that's how they were able to make that connection, which I thought was really, it was really like, that was really cool. That is super cool. That's like, for me, that's like a success story. That's like a publicist actually getting the job done because I think a lot of times we're met with, um, I don't know, very rarely do I ever, when I pitch someone, it never turns out the way I predict it will be. It usually involves being um, scrappy, being flexible, being able to pivot. Um, So that's super cool. And you said that you worked with Eliza before? Um, this was my first time working with her, but she had pitched oh. me on before, before she had pitched me before. And, um, I had worked with two of her, um, colleagues at L communications previously, um, who were very oh, helpful cool. and like, I think I'm trying to remember, their names off the top of my head um Annalisa Cruz um she was another yeah she's another publicist there um who also represented um some nonprofits, and so we were able to connect on a separate piece so yeah they've just they um I think the nonprofit side of what they do is really compelling and they've been able to connect me with some really, you know, kind of rock stars in that world. It's super cool. Yeah, I see they work with like the National Domestic Workers Alliance, mm-hmm. UNICEF, Rock the Vote. That's super cool. Cool. I, I love I love learning about this because like, I don't know, especially being in freelance and I work with the same, I've been working with the same like main client for like years. So I never, it's always nice to get out of the bubble and see like some more like impactful work that publicists are doing. It's really cool to see a, um, I guess, an agency that specializes in this kind of thing. Super cool. Right. You were already familiar with the name of the um, of the place that they worked. So it seemed like they were building a good reputation in that space, which is cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you, um, when you went back to her and said that the story wasn't Vogue ready yet mm-hmm. or that the idea, you know, covering an event isn't necessarily what your editor would like for you to write about Mm -hmm. and then you said that you brainstormed on a new um angle Mm -hmm. how can you give us a little more details about how that went I think that's kind of the secret sauce that our listeners love to know more is sometimes they're afraid to brainstorm or suggest new ideas when maybe the pitch that they delivered wasn't a hit Mm -hmm. So any feedback or insights or tips you have there are, are helpful. And if you don't, if it's like kind of not as magical as I'm making it, then we can skip <laughs> to another question. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I I basically, I went to her and told her, you know, the exact feedback that we got like verbatim, you know, from my editor, which was, you know, what I had said, which is that she didn't think it was a freestanding piece um, and that she wanted to do something beyond just a profile of Andrea and that um, she was mostly interested in covering voting rights kind of overall. And so when I told Eliza that, um, you know, she said that she was going to check in with her team um, to kind of see, you know, what they could come up with. And so I kind of like 
pitched it back to her a little bit um, and was like, it was really coming down to like who else she could get access to. You know, I think that like that was going to really heavily influence where the the story sort of went from there. Um, And then I think, you know, like a week or so later, you know, she came back to me with the idea of doing a feature on, um, you know, black women and women of color who are leading the fight for voting rights. And then that's when she said, you know, well, I could also connect you. Um, to these other folks at New Georgia Project and Black Voters Matter. Um, And then, you know, kind of just like presented her case, um, you know, about how it would be a really powerful story on the power of women, specifically Black women and women of color who um, are really the ones driving, you know, this critical political change that we saw in 2020 and that... um, you know, what we're hoping to see again in 2022. And so she kind of like presented me with this new idea just based on the fact that we needed to flesh it out more. Um, But then, you know, it was like, oh yeah, that's, I think that's exactly it. And um, so then when I went back to my editor, she, um, she really liked it. That's cool. And was that all through email communication or do you hop on the phone with her? It was all through email. Okay. Yeah. I know these are really granular questions, but it's all no. interesting <laughs> to our listeners, I promise. That's yeah. what we care about. Yeah. All the very <laughs> details. Yep. All email. Cool. Okay. Do you ever – I'm just curious. Do you ever get on the phone and talk to publicists or people who – besides like the interview portion of it itself? Um, yeah. I, I, will ad- I will admit that I don't, but it's like – I am just sort of that stereotypical like millennial and that like I just don't <laughs> talk on the phone like <laughs> yeah um <laughs> like I barely talk to my own like family <laughs> um, I just I just don't I'm very phone I'm very call averse um okay yeah. and, and unfortunately I've picked like not the best um uh, like you know career path um having to like be on the phone often for interviews and such but um yeah it's just I don't know I I do think there's a time and a place for a call you know for sure like um if you've been going back and forth via email for a long time and you know like you can definitely clarify a lot of things in like a quick five minute call there's no doubt about that so I think for me it's just it's you know email I think is generally more convenient but also like I just like having a record of things like uh you know having having essentially a paper trail just in the sense of like knowing what happened and like keeping tabs on deadlines and things like that so that's probably why email just is my my preference same page. That's okay. Cool. Yeah, I was gonna say I never get on the phone either. I, it's very rare. And when a reporter does want to talk, they're usually like, I feel like they're usually TV reporters. I feel like those are the one types of like journalists that always want to get on the phone. Most yeah. other any online journalists are usually email only. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. So what kind of pitches are you looking for? What kinds of? I mean, you write about a lot of different things. In an ideal yeah. world, what do you want to see in your inbox? Um, I, I do write a lot about a lot of different things. And I was thinking about this 
earlier today. Um, yeah. I think, I, I think when you're, I consider myself a generalist. So I have, I write about essentially anything that interests me or anything I'm curious about. And I do think that can present challenges for publicists um, because it's like, well, what's yes. she writing about now? You know? Um, <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> um, I do think it's helpful to like study like my, I mean, not my specifically, but you know, like any reporter or journalist, like study their portfolio and keeping up with their bylines, but like on an even more granular level, like for somebody who does consider themselves to be a journalist like myself, where it's like, okay, well, when she's writing for Bustle, she's like covering fashion. Like she doesn't write about anything besides fashion at Bustle. So if I'm going to pitch her something for Bustle, it needs to have a fashion angle. Um, or, you know, same thing for like a Vogue, for instance, like the work I've done with them has been political in nature or, you know, about like social justice and things like that. So I'm going to pitch, if I want to like pitch her a piece for Vogue, then maybe it should have like a social justice angle um, and so forth. So that's definitely like, I think something that publicists can do to just get a sense of like what any, you know, reporters working on at any one time and the types of pieces that they are working on for specific publications, because I often am pitched, you know, I'll be pitched entertainment pieces, you know, for bustle or wellness pieces for bustle. And it's like, I don't write about <laughs> entertainment or wellness for bustle. Um, and no, I can't connect you to the editor there. And like, that's, it's not that like, I'm, it's just that it's not within my scope of my role. And so I think just like having that understanding is, is really crucial. Oh my God. That's such great advice. Like, and, and it's simple and you would think that publicists would think to do that. But I think a lot of times when people are in a rush, they don't think right. to just, it is, but it, it makes sense. Look at like parse the stories apart. Look at the batch of stories on Vogue versus the ones in Bustle. And you'll notice a difference if you just stop to pay, like, you know, pay attention right. instead of just looking at your muckrack and being like, oh, Exactly. Yeah. And the funny yeah, thing is, you know. it's like, I don't even like know what's on my muck rack. Like I never look at that thing. <laughs> and so it's just, it's so well, funny. It could be but intimidating you're... if, yeah, if you want to hone yeah. in on something, because you do write about a lot of different things. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, I totally get that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, and it, the thing is, is it, that practice makes both of our lives and jobs a lot easier. easier. You know, like if you, <laughs> yeah. you know, if you're coming to me with like a social justice story and you know that I've done that kind of work for Vogue or Shondaland, um, then you can say that in your pitch. And then I can be like, oh, okay, yeah, like I can see it. Or I can, you know, kind of like think about how I'm going to approach my editor with this idea. Um, it just, it makes it easier just for everybody. <laughs> mm -hmm. So you like the, um, I've always wondered that about pitching um, freelance writers. So you appreciate it when a publicist is thinking ahead of which outlet it could go under, right? Instead of just saying like, oh, here's an idea. You write about these things, right? Like, do you want to cover this? I appreciate it. Cool. I mean, I do. I think it's like, it's, 
there's a definitely a fine line between like this like can you absolutely get this in Vogue you know what I mean as opposed to like oh we think this be a great fit for Vogue or Harper's Bazaar or you know we're open to any other of your suggestions like I kind of like having like an idea of where you know you think this story could work and why like that is also the important part right like that's the pitch yeah and I do think that sometimes it's like can this run in Cosmo and then it's like you don't really sell me on (laughs) why on why it should be yeah and why it's like specifically the Cosmo audience and it just kind of sounds like you're just trying to get like the Cosmo coverage and it's like I understand that but like I still need a reason to be able to go to my editor and explain why this is specifically for a Cosmo audience so I need you to give me as much as possible um that goes into like those specifics um just thinking about the pitch itself a, I guess, just going into pitches, do you get a ton of pitches like everybody else we interview? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do. Okay. <laughs> I, I definitely do. Um, how <laughs> – like when, you, when you're looking at your inbox, um, what stands out? Like how do you choose what emails to open when it comes to the subject line? Do you like it when they say in the subject line Cosmo or Vogue, Pitch for Vogue, um, anything like that that you can find like kind of a common – theme something well so I will say that like generally like for a feature story like it's very rare that I'll like if you're pitching me a a person to interview like an interview a celebrity or an activist or something like that it's helpful to have that information in the subject line because I'm like immediately I see like the celebrity's name or, you know, the the public figure's name and I'm like, Oh, okay. Like that immediately is just going to get anybody's interest because it's a name that you recognize. And then if it's an interview, you know, putting interview in the subject line is helpful as well because then that tells me like, Oh, okay, well you're pitching me an interview opportunity, um, you know, with this public figure, and in my mind, in my mind, I immediately go like anytime you're pitched a big name or a recognizable name, like there's, there's definitely higher odds of getting mm-hmm. something like that placed just from name recognition, obviously. Um, yeah. And so that's something that I think that I gravitate to in my inbox Um, that being said, I'm not like pitched, you know, celebrity interviews every single day or even like interviews with high profile people. Um, but as far as like the one, the thing, the pitches that really stand out in my inbox, those are the ones specifically because I know that they have a really good shot of being just like marketable to editors. Yeah. And that is, um, speaks to your previous, your example as well, because of all the big names that um, Eliza brought to you, you were like, I know my editor is going to be intrigued. might right. not be the right story, but she's going to be, you know, excited about these inter- people that we can interview. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think I don't have any other follow-up questions about that. 
Um, shall um, we jump into other housekeeping stuff? Yeah. Um, I think we can go into asking about relationship building and then we can tie it into any final shout outs and then any final tips if you have any. Um, so yeah, that's where we'll head. Um, cool. All right. So, um, do you work more transactionally with publicists or are there publicists that you tend to come to regularly? You know, I would say it's been largely transactional, but last year, I think I made more of an effort to build, you know, deeper relationships with publicists, especially ones that, you know, had, even if I hadn't worked with them directly before, but, you know, I had recognized their name because they've been popping up in my inbox, you know, over the years, um, or they followed me on social media, like admittedly, like that is, I think, helpful, like from the publicist perspective to follow and engage with um, writers or journalists that you would like to work with on their social platforms, if anything, because it, even if we're not, you know, like super close or we've never met in real life, but like, if I see you on social media, like I'm immediately going to kind of like recognize your name and like have more of a sense of like what you're working on. And I don't know, it just kind of like humanizes like the process, I think. And so that's been really helpful for me just in the last year, like I said, like engaging with more publicists on my social media and keeping up with that, keeping up with them that way. Um, but I will say that there is a balance, you know, like I do, like if you pitch me via, you know, my DMs, like I just won't <laughs> respond, um, you know, and it's not like to be rude or anything like that. It's just like, personal boundaries um yeah crossing a boundary absolutely I we yeah. can really we know about that yeah that's not cool <laughs> right yeah and it's just like you know I I get on my social media to like avoid my work <laughs> like I I don't want to be like <laughs> responding to pitches in my dms like you know and and it's also too like I think this is an important lesson for everybody, not just publicists, but like people don't owe you a response. And like, if they don't respond, like you just like, don't take it personal. Like four follow-ups is too many. Like I truly believe that three follow-ups, it's like three strikes and you're out. Like, you know, move <laughs> yeah. on. Um, just because we're all just like, so like, the industry was already like just so crazy and overwhelming before the pandemic. But like, even now, like how we started out this conversation, like we're all exhausted and tired yeah. and trying to do so much. And it's like, the reality is, is like, I cannot, I cannot respond to every email I get. And it's like, again, it's not personal. It's just, we only have so much bandwidth to like give. And so, you know, it's like, like I said, if you don't hear back after three, like, you know, try again next time and, um, but still try to do those other things that we had talked about to engage with that person because there've been so many times, well, I don't know, not so many times, but like there have been times where, you know, like 
maybe I hadn't ever responded to this publicist before, but I recognize their name from, you know, cause they follow me on social media or something like that. And then like the next time they're in my inbox, I think, oh yeah, I remember that person. Like, let's just like make sure that I read their email, you know, like, yeah. um, so it just, it does have an impact. It's so funny that you brought that up because I was, um, I was Googling you obviously before this call <laughs> And Instagram is one of the th- first few things that pops up. And I was like, oh, she's so cool. Like, I want to follow her, but oh. I want to be a creep. <laughs> um, <laughs> and that's how I approach, like, every journalist that I come across on Instagram mm-hmm. or Twitter even yeah. sometimes or Facebook. Because mm-hmm. I just don't want to be – so it's great to hear you say that. Um, and it's also funny because there's somebody we interviewed really early on, like in season one, um, Lisa. Mm -hmm. And she lives where I used to live. And um, I totally agree that like there can be a very natural way of just building a relationship with someone that you only know online or like a journalist Mm -hmm. through Instagram because she'll just post the most hilarious stuff and I just laugh at it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I'm not expecting her either to open my emails, but she sometimes her posts just bring me like so much joy. And that's kind of a nice part about what we do is that we're able to get to know each other as human beings. And it can be if you make it that way, like it can be a nice part of the job. But yeah, absolutely. Well, and that reminds me like one other thing like about um, just, you know, kind of like a good a good thing about social media and how it works with like, you know, creating and maintaining those relationships. It's like, especially right now where unfortunately we can't travel as much and, you know, like can't do like working lunches as much and things like that. And just, it's just one of those small ways that helps you stay connected. um, Even as like the world is, you know, spinning out of control. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It is like our escape, isn't it? (laughs) From everything. (laughs) pretty much (laughs) it's great so the social media platforms that you mostly engage with I I assume then is Twitter and Instagram basically is that yeah Twitter and Instagram um I and for very different purposes like I think most people you know I mean I have a like ongoing love hate relationship with Instagram like just (laughs) (laughs) like with the algorithm and you know all of that like I just there's some times where I'm just like just like delete this app for my life but I don't know like I I am trying to get to a more positive place with social media just as we've discussed to like kind of like remember it for like the good things that it does offer and just try to use it for that purpose and not, you know, if I find myself like doom scrolling or I'm like, (laughs) you know, envious of like some influencers like trip, I like put my phone down. I'm like, okay, no, like I'm going Mm -hmm. into like a dark place. So like, let's just put the phone down. Um, But you know, like I, on Instagram, like we had talked about, you know, some, publicists had followed me for a while and then like I would follow them back and like I you get this like camaraderie that like feels it's more you know it's more intimate than just like 
that transactional relationship that we had, you know, talked about. And it definitely makes me more likely to like, want to engage with these, with whoever they are, you know, this person is like in real life, you know? So if I do get an email from you and you're like inviting me to an event that, you know, a client event or something like that, or, or even just to like get coffee, you know, which like, I'm not opposed to either, um, you know, if, uh, if somebody is local or even if they're in New York and I happen to be in the city. So yeah, I think, you know, it's, it's, it's been helpful. Um, in, I think I've, I've connected with a lot of really great publicists because of social media. Cool. I love that too. That's a tip that people can just run with right away. So that's very appreciated. Um, and, and it's nice. It's thank you for letting us add you on Instagram. I'll add you later. Oh yeah. (laughs) I feel like (laughs) I've always wondered with Instagram, I'm like, is that a boundary to cross? I'm sure maybe some people don't like it, but it seems like you're open to it. So that's cool. Yeah, I definitely, I mean, I don't want to speak for all journalists, but I, I, and I will say like, I have, I have a private Instagram account, you know, where like, I, yeah, where I have like, I, I, I don't know, like 80 followers or something like that. Um, right. You're like close friends. Yeah. Like in, so, you know, I, I kind of keep both my Twitter and Instagram public because I understand that, you know, I have some influence as a journalist and that people are going to find me because of my work. And so, um, it doesn't, it doesn't bother me, but it, you know, everybody's different. So what about relationship building tips beyond social media? Is there anything else that you look for or appreciate from a journalist if they, or from a publicist if they want to, you know, be on your good side and relationship build? Wow, that was a really wordy way of asking. Do you have any more, rela- <laughs> Do you have any more relationship building tips? <laughs> you know, I mean, I think it's like... <laughs> I think it's really helpful when, well, like, so for instance, and this might not be applicable to like all like publicists, but I mean, it's just, it's helpful when I can engage with what your client is or like what they're doing. Um, And so like in my line of work, especially as like a fashion writer or covering lifestyle or beauty or whatever the case may be, you know, that's like, sending like samples of the product so I can like actually engage with it and have a sense of like what it is and be able to like ask questions and you know talk about like any specific roundups that I'm working on and how it could be a fit and that type of thing so that's helpful and I mean and you know in some cases um you know like it I I don't I mean because COVID has kind of like squashed so much travel and, you know, press trips aren't happening as frequently as they used to. But that's another example of like, how you can kind of help build that relationship, you know, if you have the opportunity to invite writers or journalists, or, you know, encourage your client to actually host press trips, because the fact of the matter is, it's like, that's a great way to like, give writers like that first person experience like with your client and what they're doing you know the the first and only press trip I went on um as of since 
COVID happened was back in September 2021 and um, went out to Sonoma County for the first time with um, Sonoma Couture, which is this like very well-known um, winery out there. And I had never been, which I was kind of ashamed to admit as a wine writer that I had never been to Sonoma County, um, but had a really great experience and was so inspired and met and met really brilliant people in the winemaking uh, field and felt like I had really great connections to experts that, you know, I could speak to for future stories about winemaking and the industry. So, you know, those things really, they do pay off. They might not pay off instantly, but they can have, you know, a really great um, effect in the long term. I love so that you write you about wine that. and that too, but like, I saw you write about wine. I'm like, I, I love I love wine. I love it. It's really cool that you have built a career around your curiosity. I think that's something to celebrate, by the way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. That means a lot. I think you like said it so perfectly. And I, I'm so fortunate that, that I get to do what I do. Yeah. Super cool. And I hope that I'm, running, I'm not done asking questions, but I'll get sappy more. <laughs> no, I love getting sappy. I was going to say, it's such a beautiful ending. Like, I don't want to end it, but this is a beautiful... I'm already picturing it in my head since I'm the editor. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, I was just going to say, hopefully we find equally as curious and passionate publicists, because I think that's, like, mm-hmm. that's where the magic can lie with collaborations, you know? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Absolutely. But, yeah, to... Not to wrap it up, but I do want to get to shout outs. You've mentioned already yeah. two publicists um, in which we will let them know that you were kind enough to call them by name and all that. Um, is there anybody else you would like to give a shout out to that you think exemplifies what it means to be a good publicist, um, whatever that means for 2022 um, as the world is spinning into chaos? <laughs> well, uh, I know. Gosh. Um, Emma, great. <laughs> Emma Grease, I want to say is how you say her last name, G-R-E-I-S. She's at Element Brand Group, and she was the publicist I mentioned earlier. Um, Or I don't know if I mentioned her specifically, but just kind of when we were talking about Instagram, like she is someone who, you know, had followed me for a while and like, you know, had engaged with some of like my content. And then like, we just sort of went back and forth for a while and I eventually followed her back and when I went back to New York for the first time last summer after COVID, um, I posted that I was going to be in the city and she was like, you know, I would love to meet up and I know you love to work out. Like, would you like to do a berries class? Like, you know, on, you know, we'll, we'll cover it of course. And so I thought that was just such a like, that's super cool pro like move. Like it was just like, you know, it felt it felt perfectly personal, but also like, I don't know that she, she didn't cross any boundaries or anything like that. I felt like the fact that she invited me to, um, you know, a group fitness class because she knew I liked working out. Like it showed me that she was really like paying attention to me and like the type of work that I'm doing. And so I think, um, she's a, she's like I said, a really great example of somebody who, um, is, is, you know, cultivating those relationships, but in a really authentic way. 
Yeah, it sounds like it. Very genuine and mm-hmm. quite brilliant, honestly. You know, like that's a that's a cool activity to propose, especially knowing that you love working out. That's, that's super cool. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm trying to think there's um uh okay, let me pull this up really. Okay, so her name is Amaya Starkey and she's at Edelman um here in DC. And uh, she actually works with like kind of like non sort of like in the nonprofit space, but also like like I had worked with her on um, a piece last summer um, where I got to interview somebody really high up at um, Microsoft. Um, so she's kind of like tapped up into that like, kind of a female like empowerment sort of space um and Helen Helen Chang yeah she um actually have the pitch that Amaya sent me right in front of me but she pitched me an interview with Helen Chang the woman behind Minecraft working to build a more inclusive gaming community and she sent that to me during Asian um Pacific Heritage Pacific Heritage Month and I thought oh my gosh that's so not only is it timely but I had never heard of this woman's story and um, yeah so we ended up working on that for we worked on that together for Shondaland very cool thanks so much for listening to this episode of We Earn Media if you head over to weearnmedia.com, you'll find a summary of the episode along with links to any of the resources and more information about our lovely guest and where you can find them online. If you have any topic suggestions or just general PR questions for us or future guests, email us at podcast at weearnmedia.com. Of course, you can also find us on social media. Our handle is at weearnmedia and we're on Twitter and Instagram. 